Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. So welcome along to a tennis podcast that is 100% guaranteed to be less good than yesterday's tennis podcast. We will endeavour to make it as good as possible, but I don't think David Law has anything up his sleeve Maradona-like today, and I know for a fact he hasn't had any whiskey. So we shall we shall try, but we shall almost inevitably fail. Yeah, but we, we've, we've got Mary Carrillo and she's had whiskey, so... You know. Yes, that was the plan. How can we follow up yesterday? Hit the Carrillo button. Yeah, that was the plan. It's worked to, worked to a T. <laughs> yes, Matt is still recovering recovering from yesterday's revelations. Well, we all are, aren't we? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. You think you know someone and then they, and then they come out with a Maradona story. <laughs> I'm just left wondering what other stories David's got that he hasn't told me in five years and you in 13 years, Catherine. Mm. Mm. I've got a few. Yeah. yeah, I've got a few. Yeah, those waters run deep. Um, I'll have, we, to, I'll well, have to make gonna, another trip to my sister's shop first, though. I'm going to give you some time to think of some uh, anecdote gold, David, because we're going to hear from Mary Carilla. I chatted to her, well, less than an hour ago now after her day working for NBC covering the French Open uh, from a studio in Connecticut, uh, quite near New York, I think. It must be because she's staying at her apartment in New York, yes. Um, so, yeah, I chatted to her about, well, we meandered, but we started off talking about uh, today's two women's semifinals, starting with the first one and another absolutely barnstorming performance from Iga Sviantec, 6-2, over Nadia Podoroska. And this is what Mary thinks about Sviantec. I really like Sviantec. I know you. I know you like her. I mean, there's a lot. She, you know, what she is. She's jaunty. You know, right? Yeah. She's got this really cool, like easygoing swagger to her. I mean, for somebody who's still a teenager and somebody who's never done anything like what she's done in this past two weeks, there's this really cool, like jauntiness to her that I, I really like watching. Maybe it's all that Guns N' Roses she's listening to. It could, by the way, uh, it, because we had to fill so much 
because the matches were pretty short today. John McEnroe ended up going into quite a riff about uh, about a, a guy he just recently lost, a good buddy of his. So, uh, and uh, God bless NBC for going along with John's reveries about his old buddy um, who just passed away. Uh, so we were doing quite a bit of uh, Eddie Van Halen. And then we were playing music going into commercial and coming out of commercial of, of Eddie Van Halen. It was quite a production. <laughs> I, I'm drinking. David would be happy to know I'm drinking whiskey even as we speak. <laughs> it, I mean, it sounds like you've sort of been broadcasting about rock music today, Mary, which I'm imagining isn't what you prepared for uh, this morning. Not, so I think you've not, earned yourself a whiskey. Yes, I, I really did need it. Um, but here, Catherine, here's the, the great thing about working with John McEnroe at a tournament like this. First of all, I'm doing it from the nutmeg state. From, from Connecticut, that's where our NBC studios are. And John is reporting from his home in Malibu, California. And so we can see him. We have a monitor and we can see John. And we can see that he's not really operating off of an awful lot of notes and research. <laughs> so he's you surprised me, Mary. Yes. But the great part of it is in this tournament, as I mean, there have been so many surprises and people coming out of the qualifying and lucky losers come good and all this. Yeah. And while most of us who are reporting this are acting like we know who these people are, John, there is no pretense with, with John McEnroe. He's like, who the hell is this guy? Who Dan Alt? Who's Dan? Who, I've never heard of this guy. And it's so great because it's so refreshing. You know, here I am scrambling around trying to figure out which challengers and satellites he's been playing in. And he, and John's here like, and who's this woman? Who's Ponderosa? You know, and I'm like, well, that's not exactly her name, but, you know, <laughs> close enough. And I had not ever seen her play either. I think she's from Argentina. You is, know. is he... I'm I'm just having I'm having thoughts here about what John what John might have made of uh, those semifinals today. I'm imagining game wise he loves Shriontek and he maybe personality wise he loves Kennan. Yes, that's exactly that's exactly what he spoke about today. Um, he had not really seen much of Shriontek, um, but he sure likes what he sees. Uh, and Kennan, I mean, she's so dogged. She's so resilient. She's not playing as well as Iga Shriantek, but she's competing as well as anybody, which we've got, we've come, we've gotten pretty used to in 2020, haven't we? So no, he had a good, but again, I just, it's nice listening to this guy basically saying what everybody at home is saying, you know, like who, who are we watching? I have never heard of this person. Why is she so good? You yeah. know? Everybody's busy pretending that they've been pronouncing Shvontek correctly for years. <laughs> <laughs> Not the That's, case. Right. Um, and, 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 and I must say, and this is without judgment, John has pronounced her name quite a few different times, but I think he has settled on on Shiontek. So that's that's good too. Like a monkey in a in a typewriter. Yeah. <laughs> um, Iga Shvontek, I mean, she's she's barely winning. Uh, she's barely losing games at this mm. tournament. It is it is as as dominant a run through a draw um, as I can remember, really, in terms of score lines. She, she a lot's been spoken about about the fact that she travels with and has with her in Paris a sports psychologist. Yeah, which is making me think, Mary, why is everybody that can afford it not doing that? 
Exactly. And by the way, you, this will not surprise you, Catherine. John McEnroe has spoken about psych, sports psychologists. <laughs> um, because I, I happen to bring up that fact that there's a, a number of players, young players, who are more than willing to speak about the fact that they have they have taken advantage of sports psychology. And, and uh, the guy I work with, this, Dan Hicks, said, well, John, did you ever consider that in your playing days? And before John even had a chance to answer, I kind of jumped in there and said, there are a lot of people who tried to help that man. <laughs> and, and John allowed that, yes, that in fact was true. And, you know, I mean, for John, a lot of it was anger management. For for a lot of people who seek out the help of sports psychologists, it's more about their own, you know, conquering their fear. I don't think John was he, – he never had a fear problem. He, he, you know, sometimes he went off the rails because he wasn't doing what he expected he should be doing. Um, but I don't think it was driven by fear. It was, you know, he was a hothead. But I agree with you that, that I'm, I'm glad that whatever stigma used to be attached to the idea of using a mental coach, sports psychologist, um, hopefully that is lifting in a hurry. She, she's played the same level of the same brilliant level of tennis as as a total unheard of underdog to, to most mm. most viewers, as she has since becoming the favorite to win the title a couple of matches ago after she beat Halep. I think that's what I find the most extraordinary, that she seems unfazed by that total 180 in status in the tournament. Can can that possibly continue, Mary, in a Grand Slam yeah. final? Yes, I, I, I think so. And, and again, I don't know how, I honestly, I don't know how those odds shift or or what kind of experts are causing odds to shift like that. I mean, I guess it's because she beat Halep. They you know. they mostly just listen into what David Law is predicting and go <laughs> and go, the go with the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> that's the new system. I I, I my, I've got it in my head that somebody as bright and competitive as Iga Swiatek doesn't really listen to what other people are saying about her game or her odds. That would be my guess, and I think uh, Sophia Kennan kind of operates in the in that same sort of place, you know. I mean, again, Kennan's not playing as well as as Iga, and and but she's still there, and you know she she. I don't think I I do worry watching her father honestly in the stands, and I know he's been he's been stung a couple of times for coaching. He's had to pay some fines for coaching, and and I worry about his. I think he could use perhaps a. a a couch every now and then. He might uh, just go and sit next to Igor Svantec's uh, sports exactly. psychologist. That's how he rolls. That's kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> like, dude, you know, your kid is doing pretty well. I mean, uh, and the funny thing is, we showed a we showed a bunch of reactions of Alexander Kennan today. There can but not possibly, and the kid looks up at her dad a lot. It cannot be a source of comfort to look up at your dad, and he's got his head in his hands, and he's shaking. No. And like, like, I don't know. I'm just thinking to myself, you know, if that were me, you know, looking up at good old dad, like, you know, I, well, I, don't know. I, I guess it's to your point. I'm not answering your question properly. Yes. I think sports psychology, any kind of, I mean, the, if you're working on every other muscle system in your body to be a world-class athlete, why on earth would you not spend some time above the neck? Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Can you can you believe that this is the same 
Sophia Kennan, that two weeks ago, just over two, mm. two weeks ago, or perhaps three weeks ago now, lost yeah. love and love to Victoria Azarenka in Rome. I know. And, and, and look at her. I mean, and, and by the way, she's had to battle. I mean, two of her, what, six rounds went straight sets, and the rest of the time she had to mix it up, right, and go the distance. Um, and again, that just shows how resilient this kid is. I mean, she truly loves to compete. And I love how, how she figures out a way to win when she's not even playing that well, you know. Um, she shook a little bit, you know, a couple of times against Kvitova in the second set, but then straightened herself out, you know, and recovered. Um, so, yeah, a, a, a love and love loss almost, but that feels like an anomaly, doesn't it? That feels like, wait a minute, something, something went screwy there. Um, that doesn't sound right. You know, she hadn't, obviously she had come from the hard courts and look, this whole French open has been, uh, it's been, uh, at once strange to watch, interesting to watch, encouraging, uplifting, weird. Um, a lot of things have gone on, but Kenan, and we've, we've seen this with her. We speak about this all the time with, with Sophia Kenan. She just plays on, doesn't she? Mm. She just goes from point to point and there's, there's nothing that's going to stop her from playing her tennis that way. Is your sense that that as incredible a competitor as as she is, and it's it's one or a whole bunch of matches this tournament that that competitive spirit is your sense that tennis wise she will have to find another gear in the final. Right now, I'd say that Iga Swiatek is playing better than Sofia Kennan. Yes, I mean she's playing more. She plays freely, you know. She's big and bold, and and uh, more joyful out there certainly than Kennan. You know, Kennan, you feel the you feel the weight of the moment when you watch Sophia Kennan play, and she more than off, more often than not, she meets the moment fine. Um, she plays the she played so many big points well against Petra Kvitova in the semi today. You know, uh, much better than Petra. Um, she's so hard on herself, isn't she, Kenny? She's she very like hard. She's she's still beating herself up about a forehand she missed six points ago. You know. Yeah, it's... I think she, she is very self-critical, and I'm, I'm not sure that she, I think Schwantek. Again, we don't we haven't watched her play enough, long enough, but she seems to be able to let stuff go. You know, she doesn't get too excited about a a great moment or too down about a missed opportunity. And again, I'm I'm going to credit her sports psychologist the fact that she's been going to this woman. For almost two years, is that right? Mm. I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of quality time working on your your brain pattern, isn't it? She must have received some incredibly good advice as a as yeah. a as a kid. She must have been very well advised and and have good people around her. I don't think many people are telling talented seventeen year olds to, exactly. to to pay their pay their sort of first paycheck towards a, a sports psychologist, right? I th- yes, exactly, and I, I wonder if um, I wonder if more women are are going to be uh, more willing to say that they take advantage of an expert like that. You know, maybe there are guys who think that that's a sign of weakness um, to do that, although it shouldn't be, obviously. Um, but I have a feeling this could really, if you, especially now that Świątek can afford it. <laughs> I hear somebody who comes from Poland. She wasn't. And she spoke about the fact that she she hasn't gotten wild card. She's had to work her way up the ranks. Um, you know, she she doesn't. She's playing without a racket contract right now, and made it very clear that she's looking for rackets 
you know, that which was like brilliant and outstanding and, you know, good on you for like, you know, throwing those lines in the water, right? In the local uh, car four, you know, she's just browsing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. She'll just be looking online. Oh, that looks like a nice frame. Yeah. Um, yeah, this kid is Amit. This kid is um, very, I think she's very special. I think we're, and look, I loved Aga. Before there was Iga, there was Aga. Radwanska from Poland, and I loved her game, and it was full of craft and imagination and all kinds of shots and great problem-solving, but she hadn't the physique. She hadn't the power, you know. She, had, she, she, didn't, have, she didn't have the serve that Shrantek's got. She wasn't as aggressive on return games. Shrantek is looking to be aggressive pretty much everywhere on the court. Uh, so, uh, uh, and, and it's very nice to know that Aga has already reached out to Iga, um, and and congratulated her on her form and on her winning ways. I, I'm going to be surprised. Aga got to one major final, Wimbledon. Uh, wasn't that good on, on clay because it, it didn't allow her to use her gifts. Um, she got overpowered a lot. But Iga, man, I like Iga on everything. I think I, I like her on every surface, you know. Um, she's a, she's is, a junior Wimbledon champ, isn't she? Junior Wimby champ, and, and uh, we found out, uh, I love uh, Marian Bartoli interviewed Kenan after the match and said, well, you've never played Iga, and Kenan quickly corrected her and said, no, I played her in juniors uh, here, and I lost her. Like, she, she remembers that third-round loss from a couple of years ago. Yeah, she said, I remember all of my matches, which, <laughs> which Mary kind of terrified me. I mean, maybe that's just because of how young she is. But yes. to remember yeah. every single one of your matches back to juniors, I don't know that it's scary. Yeah, me. but I think that's I think Kenan is hardwired for competition. You know, I mean, from the time she was little, look, you can go back into the files and see that Sonia had her own, you know, social media account blazing by age five. You know, she's been even before she had done anything big, she was big. Even when she was little, she was big. So I think she's sort of used to taking herself seriously. She's such an exciting prospect for the game, isn't she? It's, mm. it's fantastic. Yes. Just um, I have to get your thoughts, Mary, quickly on what on earth is going to happen tomorrow in these two these two men's semifinals that we've got. I think uh, it's Nadal against Diego, not Maradona. First up, yeah, <laughs> but but in fact, named after David Law's great friend Diego Maradona. Is that so? Yeah, that's that's true. Had his parents watched the the famous match in in Croatia, seen seen the guy get bundled down. I don't think the timelines quite match up, but you see where I'm going there. <laughs> I love. Does... Uh, and and in honor of David Law, I am drinking whiskey even as we speak because it's been a long day of of Phil. I absolutely uh... love that. I think <laughs> I think whiskey David Law might be my favorite David Law. So, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um. Does Diego? Oh my gosh! I almost said Maradona. <laughs> it had a big impact on me yesterday, Mary. Yeah, uh, does Diego Schwartzman, named after Maradona, have a chance of repeating tomorrow what he did in Rome to Nadal over best of three a couple of weeks ago? It'll be a lot more than it'll be a lot tougher than one extra set, won't it? I mean, I. I but, but. Uh, you know, he should be pretty fresh. He's gotten, he had a couple of days off after that really, what, five-hour, eight-minute eight match against team. Um, he showed a lot of guts. Uh, and I've seen him take a set off of Nadal before. He did it a couple of years ago at Roland Garros. But 
Yeah, I, th- I think anybody who says the hardest thing in the world is to get three su- to get three sets off of Rafa Nadal at Roland Garros, I think that's what is he ninety eight and two on this stuff. Um, I th- I I think the more I like Tsitsipas's chances against Djokovic more than Diego's chance against chances against Rafa. And is that because of? Because of what's going on with Djokovic, the physical yeah. state he was in yesterday, the rumours that he cancelled his practice today, or even in even in uh, otherwise neutral circumstances, would you would you give Sitsipas a decent chance? I just think Stefanos is playing beautiful tennis and and beautiful clay court tennis. Um, and I mean, when you think about you know <laughs> when he, that he was almost out in the first round here, hmm. and now he hasn't dropped a set since, and he's. He clearly likes the clay. Uh, he spent probably more time on clay than any other surface growing up. And he's, he just, again, there's, he too is jaunty at this tournament. <laughs> you know, he really feels good about himself. And he seems to, remember last year, you, you saw him at the hotel after oh. he lost Bavrinka, and it took him a couple of months to not recover. Not jaunty, Mary, not jaunty. No. No, 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 no. He was no. He, he was beyond consolation for a couple of months, right? But after losing at the U.S. Open, after holding six match points against Borna George, I mean, he looks fabulous. Do, do you think he he got all of his despair out of his system after that? I mean, honestly, oh, do you think he kind of reached such a low place after that that he's rising like an eagle? Well, again, we I go back to what Diego Schwartzman looked like at the U.S. Open against <laughs> yes. your Cam Nori. He was at what? Yeah. Didn't he win the first two sets against that guy? Yeah. And then he ended up it, losing in the first round and spent more time looking woeful in his suite at the U.S. Open that day. He spent more. That, that was longer than the match. I mean, and he, he, looked, he had a bad attitude in that match against Cam Norrie. Honestly, it was a, it was a Diego Schwartzman I'd never I'd no. never witnessed before. It was very strange. Yes, and look at, look how he's re, re, rebounded from from that disappointment. So I think Diego and Tsitsipas both have done a tremendous job of getting over the despair of their U.S. Opens. When you, when you were talking about Nadal just then and, and you know, his record at, at Roland Garros on, on that court, on that clay, how, how different is that court and that clay this year compared to other years? I've seen all sorts of, hmm. you know, technical stats about how many inches lower his ball is bouncing this year compared to other years. He was grouchy after mm. he came off court the other night. He was, he's been grouchy about the balls throughout. I mean, how, how neutralized is the great Rafael Nadal by, by the particulars of this tournament? Yeah. You know, I don't, when Rafa makes his points about how the ball is playing differently and it's too cold for tennis, isn't that what he said the other night mm. when he was still out on the court it's, past midnight? It's dangerous. It, it's dangerous, and but I don't even know that – I don't think he says it in a necessarily grumpy way. I mean, he's not being cranky about it. He's just stating the facts, which is what I think all of us have come to really like about his press conferences. <laughs> yeah. You know, when somebody says something uh, wrong – He'll look at them and say, false. <laughs> it's like, the best. That, uh, that is one of my favorite, like, Rafa moments. I mean, apart from all of his wins everywhere, false. You know, yes. and, and he would, yeah. So I think when he, when he discusses it, he's just, I don't think he's trying to make excuses. I think he's just laying it out, you know. He's being pragmatic about it. Like, these are not the, the conditions under which I have won this 12 times. So does, will it affect him? 
No, I, I don't. I mean, of course, it affects. Of, he looks at them all as deterrents to to his greatness. And and I read a a long article. Uh, Carlos Moya, his coach, was interviewed a couple of days ago, and he was explaining that because of the suchness of the conditions, he doesn't have as many choices. He doesn't have as many, you know, options uh, to play the way he plays because he can sort of see how his ball is behaving when when it's dry and hot. It's kicking up and it's creating. Uh, it's creating space for him. It's creating, you know, opportunities for him. And, and Moya is saying that those are, those are not available to him because of the conditions. But I still, how do you bet against that? Are you going to bet against a guy who's won this a dozen times? You know, uh, he, he, he will point out the problems, and, but it's not like he's going to walk off the court having lost to somebody saying, well, that was... That's why it happened. He's just, I think he's too classy for that. Why is what I'm hearing a prediction of a Nadal Sitsipas final, Mary? That's, at the beginning of the, the, the tournament, I thought that Djokovic had the edge because I, I called his matches in Rome and I thought he was looking pretty good, even though he wasn't playing his best. Again, I, I, I always make that, draw that distinction between playing well and competing well. And a lot of times... Uh, the best players compete better than they play. And that's why they are so great. Um, and, but now that Djokovic has come up with this, uh, you know, his issues are cle- like he makes them pretty well known. <laughs> he's got kinesio tape up and down his neck. He's, he was banging on his arm, which I'm not sure did him much good. I guess he was trying to loosen it up. I don't know what, what that was all about. But Pablo um, Carreño Busta had some things yes. to say. Those were yes, he did. Press, press conference fangs. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he, he saved them for the press conference, not for the match. Exactly right. Yeah. Where were your insiders <laughs> when you really needed them? Um, I don't know. I, I, as I said, I, I, I hate backing down from a, from a prediction. Um, so I guess I'm going to stick with Djokovic, but I'm not following through. There's no real follow through on that prediction anymore. You know, I'm not really finishing it. That, that's welcome on this podcast, Mary. You would not believe how much David Law has dropped Jennifer Brady like a hot potato. He pretends he, he nev- he's never heard her name. That's outstanding. Yeah, well, I've got a little bit more honor, I believe. Have, you know? um, j- just to finish up and let you get back to your, your Tennessee bourbon, have you, have you missed it? Have, you, have, have there been moments when you've wished you were there? this year or or have you been at peace with with not being there with, like with missing out on the I, the weirdness of it all i like i i have to say that i like i like having a physical presence at any tournament um i like watching practices i like going to the press conferences and throwing it in a question every i like i like you know meeting up with coaches or what you know i i do like that i i i, I hang around when if i'm at a tournament i'm there all i mean i've got no life I'm just there. It's uh, what are you still doing here? You were off the air. I, I know, I know. Um, the only the only thing that I, I I am a weather weenie of some repute, Catherine. I don't mm-hmm. like the cold, um, so I don't. And and I've been talking to a bunch of my buddies who are over there. Uh, Lindsay Davenport, who's from Southern California, says it, she just keeps telling me how freezing it is, and uh, <laughs> and I would feel the same way. So I don't miss that part of it, but. Yeah, of course I miss it. I want to be back in, I want to be back in Paris next spring, and I, I truly hope that happens. Did she? Uh, did she pull an Azarenka, Lindsay, and say, 
I'm from, I'm from California. This, I'm not used to this. You have no idea how cold this feels for me. And then sort of swagger off court in a puffer jacket. <laughs> she's cold. I, I, <laughs> that, yes, she's it's cold. Kind of the iconic image of the first few days of uh, yeah. the French Open. Um, yes. So what do we think then? We, uh, am I hearing a... A Sviantec Nadal champion situation? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Again, but that could, of course, that could be completely wrong. That could be a total 0 for 2. And, and you know what? At a, at a tournament like this, in a pandemic like this, I don't mind being wrong. I'm, I'm, willing, I'm more than willing to be surprised. Mm. I, you know, it's that kind of a, you know, anything, anything that happens at this point is good to me. I, if Tsitsipas can come big and do something special. If Djokovic can get within just one or two now of Nadal and Federer by winning this and getting to 18, if Nadal gets to 13, which is ridiculous, that'll never be challenged ever again by anybody. You know, if Shantek wins, it wins her major, her major, if Kenan wins, uh, there are no bad outcomes as, as far as I'm concerned. There's, there's nothing not to root for, you know? There are definitely some as far as Federer is concerned. As far as Federer, yeah, well, you know. Hey, by the way, Catherine, do you, you so so say Sof- Sophia Kennan wins her second major of 2020, she can only go up to number three in the world, and you know who gets to keep her number one status? And I love her, Ash Barty. Ash Barty, <laughs> because of how the rankings have been adjusted for yes. for COVID, she doesn't lose points for not defending her title. Now, how, how long can, can she right hang out here? hang out at football games in Australia and remain? Well, can this go on indefinitely? Because I, I want her life. <laughs> All I'm saying is that if if Sophia Kennan wins the second major of 2020, um, she gets my write-in vote for number one player of the year. We we will we we will be devising our own rankings. In the there end we of go. Year. Mary, you've oh, give, you're going to come up with some there. cockamamie math that, yeah. I, I, that would be totally beyond me. Matt Roberts will cook up some kind of cockamamie. Yeah. There'll be an algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mary, it's such a pleasure. Such a pleasure to, to speak to you. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Thank uh, you. Uh, so you've got three more days in the not quite company of John McEnroe. Correct. Although John was making noises that he actually misses being with us and may may take a flight out and join us in the nutmeg state, in the great state of Connecticut, uh, for the men's final. Wow. I know. And, and you know, that, could only, that can only add to my good humor. When do you think John McEnroe lost set foot in Connecticut? <laughs> well, I don't know, but... <laughs> hey, if you see him, if you see him in the living flesh, can you ask yes. him whether he has regrets about not participating oh, in that goodness. football match? Um, I'm still recovering from that news. <laughs> I, I really am. I, it's it's all been too much. Yeah, and that that you have known David for 13 years and oh. you never all he, of I the mean, rubbish stories he's told me, Mary. So much rubbish, <laughs> so much rubbish. This should have been at the top of the rubbish bin, at the very <laughs> yeah. top. I, I, just, I, I just feel like we've all been slighted for yeah. a long while. And then he sent me the photo, the team photo. Yeah. Which you, is have, also Have you annoying. seen the, the video, the moving pictures? <laughs> no. Okay. No, do I need to? Do yes, I really you do. need to? I've had a you, long day. You, you send me videos of your new puppy getting a blow dry. I send you videos okay. of David Lauren far too short shorts. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> we're even. <laughs> yeah. That makes us even. Are you sure? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, David, uh, I, I would have done the whole the whole interview about uh, toast your new puppy, but David laid down uh, strict rules about right, how much fine. I was allowed to ask you about the dog. But how, you, how is toast? <laughs> toast is. I haven't met toast yet. I've been calling tennis matches from from the U.S. Open to the Italian Open to. To hear Rolling Hours, I I cannot wait to to greet Toast and Toast Toast. It's it's a great little beast. I'm going to go and Toast Toast now. <laughs> okay, and and Cam and Cam. I love oh, Cam. Ca- Cam loves yeah. you. Oh, oh, this is magnificent. Yeah. One of the best features of of Rolling Garros this year. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Mary, it's been a pleasure. Go and drink some more whiskey and um, I certainly will. come up with a Maradona anecdote. <laughs> okay, Catherine, be well. We'll speak to you again soon. Thank you so okay. much. Sure. Bye, Mary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So I only asked one dog question, David. Very Just restrained. I, I'm, mm. I was 
properly impressed. In fact, we got to about 28 minutes of that interview and I was thinking, she's, she's forgotten. And then suddenly... <laughs> she, she bloody hasn't. <laughs> suddenly Toast is there. And, and if, we, if, I mean, we've got photos of Toast, all right? We've been authorised to post the video of Toast receiving a, a blow-dry and n- no one will be disappointed by that. Nobody. Um, no sentient being, anyway. Um, yeah, Toast is lovely. Mary thinks Cam is lovely. I mean, obviously, how how, how could anybody not? But, um, yeah, a Mary Toast Cam loving. I'm here for it. Basically what are we, just um, a podcast, really, isn't it? A, a, a Mary <laughs> Dog Cam loving. That's what yeah. we're all about. <laughs> um, anything in particular anybody would like to pick up on from what Mary had to say there. I mean, it's no surprise, is it, that, that I mean, obviously Mary is, but uh, John McEnroe is a big fan of the Igor Svantec game. I mean, we saw Andy Murray, um, well, I mean, he's been doing it all, all week, hasn't he? He's been fully aboard the Igor Svantec train. She's that kind of player, isn't she? That the that the purists, the the students of the game, they just adore a player like that. Yeah, and actually, their eyes light up really. And, and as you say, Andy Murray's commenting on every every post anybody makes about Igor Sviantek. Andy Murray's commenting on um, because he's just clearly watching every match she has and loving every stroke she hits, and the thoughtfulness of the way she works things out, and the instinctiveness as well. McEnroe, yeah, I mean, he's he's a fan. He's a fan of the sport backstage i've seen him in, in champions tour events and there are certain people he wants to watch um and, i mean mary mary said it to you you know she's around the, even when she doesn't need to be there she's there because she loves the sport she loves being around it hearing the stories watching people i guess talent spotting as well you know because because that's something that's great to do at, at grand slams um but i think I, I'm, there will be plenty of people out here, I think, probably listening to this and certainly many people in, in the media world that will have been very aware of Sviantec, way more than I feel like I was. I feel like this has taken me by surprise. And actually, I mean, the first person that drew her attention, drew my attention to her was was Matt. And I think it was – which tournament was it where you you, you mentioned to us that – It was the French Open last year. Right. Yeah. Mm. So this well, is post Kuzmova, obviously. This was yes. Matt trying to restore his credibility. <laughs> I mean, the first time I ever saw her name, this is going to sound really bad, like I'm bigging myself up here. I'm not because I didn't draw any conclusions from this whatsoever, was when I was working at Wimbledon in the press office in 2018. And part of my job there was to fill in all the drawers they don't do them electronically in the media center. They do them by by hand. And I was literally writing in the scores on the draw sheets. And that was when she won junior Wimbledon. And I remember that she beat the number one seed in the first round. And then I don't think dropped a set for the rest of the tournament. And I just remembered the name, Iga Sviantek, and this person who had, you know, she was unseeded. She'd faced the number one seed in the first round and just beaten everybody in the draw handily. And I just kind of made a mental note, oh, that's a name to look out for. But you do that with so many juniors that you see win things and you just never know what's going to come from it. And then it was it was last year, as you said, at the French Open when she'd had a, a few good results on on the tour and people were starting to talk about her that I properly watched her and realised what she did have in her game in terms of 
the options at her disposal. I think that was the first thing that struck me. But, I mean, I've certainly been surprised by the way she's put this run together, lost just 23 games to get to the final. That's the fewest number of games lost to reach a maiden Grand Slam final since Mary Pierce in 1994, who only lost 10. What? Mary Pierce only lost 10 games when she got to her first Grand Slam there must, final. There must have been a retirement. No, there, was, there weren't. She, in she 12 only lost sets? In 12 sets. She, it was 6-love, six 6-love six her first round. She won another match 6-love, six 6-love, six and I think there was a 6-love, six 6-1 in there. And then she lost the final. <laughs> but, Why yeah. are you talking about that? <laughs> Arantxa Sanchez Vicario, she lost to in the final. But to get wow. to the final, she lost just 10 games. I was kind of convinced that maybe Sviontek's run would have been a record, which is why I looked looked this up. But uh, Mary Pierce has not just pipped her, but probably done something that will never be repeated. It feels like one of those records. Um, but just just thinking about how Sviontek's doing this, this fortnight, which is certainly something I never would have expected from her at this moment in her career. I was reading some of her transcripts and she was talking about how for the last couple of years she's been at high school and all the time she's been on the tour she's also been studying and that's taken up a lot of her time and she's you know sometimes come to practices late because she's been up up the night before revising or working and suddenly she, over the lockdown period she's finished those studies and she said she kind of feels free now and 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 she'd put a target of 2 years to really focus on her tennis and she thought, if in that time I'm in the top 10 and winning Grand Slams, I will carry on with tennis. But if not, if if I'm struggling and I'm down, I don't know, around 100 or so, I want to go to university. And I think she's got this perspective on the game and also this ambition because that, you know, that kind of shows me she doesn't want to just play tennis just to play tennis. She wants to play to win things and be successful and that kind of attitude really comes through with those ruthless scores she's she's having on the court this week. And I don't know, just a lot more time and space to focus on her tennis seems to be massively, massively paying off. And yet all the work she's done in the past two years to be this well-rounded, mature 19-year-old is also paying off on the court. It's kind of this perfect combination she's got at the moment, I think. Yeah, and it, it, that's so fascinating. And it and it makes total sense. It, you know, I focused a lot with Mary on on the fact that she is travelling with a sports psychologist because I really, I find that so incredible. Really, there are players that have publicly employed sports psychologists. I've never known anyone to travel with one on a sort of semi permanent basis. Let alone kind of in COVID times when you're a bit restricted on who you can travel with. That is such a clear statement and investment in that side of the sport especially for okay she's she's 19 she's had she's had some good results she's been on people's radars as one to watch she will have some endorsement deals but as you heard Mary say she doesn't have a racket deal she's not Coco Goff in terms of endorsement money for her to have made that investment is such a statement and it it really makes sense with what you said, Matt, that it's her saying, I'm going to give this absolutely everything, no stone unturned, you know, for for per perhaps limited period. I mean, given the success, it it probably and hopefully won't be, but that all 
that all chimes, doesn't it? And it's such a fascinating approach to the sport. And the way she liberate I think I think the way she rebuilt her confidence and her her approach after that demolition at the hands of Halep a year ago and here she is one year on and she's turning the tables it says everything I also think that the two-year goal and the university aspect has liberates her it frees her up of mm. a sense of this is the only thing in life and we've heard Daniel Collins talk about that getting a degree and what that did for her kind of confidence in life and uh, and and manifesting itself in a tennis as well um and and today again there were there was precious pressure moments against uh, Nadia Podoroska in just very briefly in the second set when she's raced through the first set 6-2 and she's four love up in the the second set then she lost a serve and and I thought this is a test right here. Let's see what happens to her. She's she's on the brink of a Grand Slam final at the age of 19. Anything could happen right now. And she just knuckled down and broke her again. And, and it was... I mean, she was everything she's been all tournament long. The only thing I would say is when you read out that Mary Pierce run and the player that beat her in the final, I think of Sophia Kennan. Arantxa Sanchez-Vicario. Really? 20 years ago is Sophia Kennan today. The similarities is, are very, very there. Is, is that attitude-wise or, or game-wise? Both. Because I've, I've, I mean, I've never seen Arantxa Sanchez-Vicario play, I don't think. Yeah, Arantxa Sanchez-Vicario was, uh, was physically short, relatively speaking, to, to a player like Mary Pierce. She would have been towered above by Pierce, and, and everybody would think Pierce is the big hitter. And she was. She was a huge hitter. But uh, and 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 Sanchez Vicario was a scurrier, but with a great backhand and an incredible attitude, and no point went begging at all. You know, she she put them. The, if you if you look back on her record, the number of really close Grand Slam finals she had with Steffi Graf, she lost most of them, she won some of them, and uh, and she was a wonderful competitor. She wasn't as good as Graf and Selish, but she still managed to win things, and uh, and I really see the the parallels with her and Kenin now that now that we've brought that up that I think is going to be very interesting on Saturday whether whether Sviontek can do to Kenin what she's been doing to everyone else I mean I know Kenin took that six love six love defeat to Azarenka it doesn't feel like this Kenin the one we've seen over the past few days is going to be thrashed I don't think you can hit Kenin off the court and kind of demolish her the way she's done with the other opponents. Kenin will turn that match into a scrap, into a battle. And whether Sviontek is able to overcome that, I think is going to be such a fascinating part of the match. Um, because, you know, Kenin was talking about how Petra Kvitova came into the match against her today with a lot of confidence. You know, she noted that, yes, okay, maybe... Maybe Petra Kvitova hasn't lost a set yet and she's playing well, but she hasn't played me yet was kind of the thing Kenin was basically saying in her press conference. And it doesn't matter how well she's playing. I think if I'm playing my best, I can cause her problems. And we saw that today. And I'm sure Kenin will have that same attitude and belief that she can do the same and mess, mess Igor Sviontek around in, in Saturday's final. Just um, in the macro sense uh, about... Sophia Kennan's um, belief um, and and going back to that love and love defeat to Azarenka which I know we've been banging on about but it is 
extraordinary for a, a reigning Grand Slam champion, any Grand Slam champion, really, to to suffer a a gameless defeat. And the the fact that she's now reached a, a Grand Slam final in her next tournament is makes it even more extraordinary. In terms of the rest of her career, it, I, I just feel like that's going to be m- mentally massive for her. No matter what she goes through or experiences, no matter how low she goes on a tennis court, she will know that the next day she can wake up and start playing herself into into potentially Grand Slam winning form. I mean, there is nothing lower than a love and love defeat in mm. tennis. And and here she is. I mean, I just think whatever happens on Saturday, mentally, that's going to be... Not that she necessarily needs any help mentally because she is... I find her her mentality just incredible because she has she does have frailty she's incredibly hard on herself she she doesn't have all the hallmarks of the traditionally mentally tough player the sort of Rafael Nadal-esque just being totally present and in the moment and shrugging things off really quickly and she's not like that at all she's she's mentally strong in her own way but yeah I think this is just going to harden her even even more I think it's massive in the context of her career well, she's already developed one of my favourite mannerisms of any tennis player, which is to hit a screaming winner and then absolutely go crazy at herself because five minutes ago she missed one, and she can't, and she's still thinking about that one, and she's going back to it and thinking, well, why didn't I do it then? Then, you know, I've just done it now, but that, that's not important. What about that one? But it doesn't stop her moving on and actually building all the time. Building the one thing I I, I will be interested to see is. Because she's managed to rebuild, having had a bit of a rocky period, and I know we had six months without any tennis, but there were some rocky results, not just the love and love, but that one's the one obviously that really jars and it makes you think, well, what can be possibly so wrong that you lose love and love when you're that good? I I wonder whether this will sort that out, the fact that she's got to another final now in the same year. Because I'm only speculating, but I feel that she kind of caused her own problems in in the months since the Australian Open with in terms of her own expectations of herself and what being an Australian Open champion is all about. And I, I, understandably, but I don't think she really could handle it that well. Uh, and I wonder whether now, having got to another one, you may not see that. You may just see the regular Sophia Kenin scrapper, bring it on, let's stomp around. Well, she's already developing an identity I think on the court which is quite important like Mary was saying I trust her in in big moments she meets the moment she might have some stress throughout a match but as soon as that match today against Petra Kvitova got tight and it did get tight especially in that second set when when she tried to serve it out and she got broken she just immediately got back to work and was all business all purpose and it was characteristic of what she did in that Australian Open final against Muguruza, those, you know, that game of winners to save the three break points. Whenever there's a big moment, I just think back to that and think Kenning, Kenning can do this. And time and again, she does do it. And I think that's so important for a player to have that identity on the court and, and to know that they can play their biggest and best tennis when it matters the most. And yeah, I mean... It, it, it's it's kind of making me a bit nostalgic talking about Kenin, kind of nostalgic for a world that was only nine months ago, but uh, the Australian uh, Open just feels like such a different time and different world. And yet the fact that she's 
really, really relevant again and is, you know, possibly, in Mary's words, if she wins this, you know, the kind of the player of the year, the fact that she's done this in a year of such two halves is is kind of extraordinary. I, I, I expected Kenin to be sustainable, I think was the word I used after the Australian Open, but I didn't, I didn't expect this so both so quickly, but also kind of seems like so long ago as well. I don't know. It's, it's, it's really so, so impressive. And it must be confusing for her as well. You know, the, the world has changed so much and yet here she is and she's doing her thing again. It's, uh, it's so admirable. I'm glad you said that about the nostalgia, Matt. That was probably my single tennis moment of the year, sat with you in that press box when, when Sophia Kennan won those um, five points in a row from Love 40 down against Muguruza and just sort of us looking at one another like did we did we just see did what we really just, just see that um because yeah, that's not just, in the hype just, is it you know, no, nobody hyped nobody ever hyped Kenin for that sort of thing before that was her absolutely outplaying a power player who's a two-time slam champion and we saw it again today against Kvitova Kvitova had a slow start. She was nervous early on. She went two breaks down, but she got her game together. And it would have been... I reckon there's a lot of people that, that would have thought she's taken over now. And Kenin still, really... I mean, okay, when she'd, she had a little wobble to get over the line in the first set. Second set, she outplayed her again when Ken, when Kvitova was playing pretty well. I mean, it was mightily impressive. Yeah, and I guess what I mean is that... that- stretch against Muguruza doesn't feel like a fluke at all. I don't think it felt like a fluke at the time, but it definitely doesn't now. It, it feels like a trademark almost. And it was like witnessing the birth of it there and then. And we're going to, you know, maybe see it for years to come. Kenin rising to moments. And uh, I just find that so special. Do you share, do either of you share Mary's anxiety about uh, Alexander Kenin? Well, yes, I, I think I, I do because he's he looks so intense. He does look uh, he looks so intense. Um, but I don't I don't know what relationships these mother and, and uh, sorry uh, father and da- daughters have, and 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 they're all so different. And and I often think of Wozniacki in these situations that had her entire career with him by her side, and and it. It seemed to work for her, you know. She seemed happy. I didn't. I don't know her, but she seemed happy enough. And maybe this is similar. Um, but yes, I mean, it gives me. It makes me a, a little anxious um, because it it all looks so intense. But sometimes Ken in herself, between points, I think. Well, how can you keep pushing like this? And and that's going to be one of the things we find out over the years, isn't it? Whether she's able to just keep this up in that way, because I I don't think she can exactly dial it down. I mean, I wonder what happens if she gets a psychologist. I wonder what a psychologist would make of her. It'd be very interesting, wouldn't it? Complex. Yeah. I'd imagine. It's what I love about the sport, you know, mm. the, watching these it, different types of... I mean, they couldn't be more different, could they, Sviantek and Kenin, on, from what we see no, from the outside? It, it, it is... Uh, w- watching Kenin in a Grand Slam final, having already watched Kenin in a Grand Slam final and heard her talk about it afterwards is going to be quite a new experience because we now know, with the benefit of her having spoken about the Australian Open, that she was crying in the locker room beforehand and she's this terrible bag of nerves. She's almost, 
she's almost um, immobilized by my nerves before a match. And then she gets out there and looks like, you know, stompy old Sophia Kennan. Same as ever, you know, it's Sharapova-like, isn't it? And that sort of demeanor's the same no matter what's going on. Um, so I'm going to, you know, before the final assassin, I'm going to be picturing her sort of sobbing in the locker room, this nervous wreck. And I, I doubt I'll be able to marry that with what ends up walking out onto the court. Yeah. When she's walking around the court, I, I found myself today in my head going stompy, stomp, stomp, stomp when she walks, just in time with it. Uh, hang on, I've got Nelly the Elephant in my head now. Nelly yeah. the Elephant packed a trunk. Is that, is that what you're singing? I, th- I think it might be. I mean, I, fortunately, I didn't stomp, say it on stomp, air on Five Live. I mean, I've just said it now. said goodbye but. to the circus. Oh, she went with the trumpety trump, 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 trump. Oh, that's not a good song for That hasn't aged well. What sh- Donald Trump is now ruining Nelly the Elephant. <laughs> or for some, he's making it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, this is a new low. Um... Right then, so what's going to happen on Saturday? You can have till tomorrow to do a prediction. Yeah, I'm going to have till yeah, tomorrow. Yes, please. Okay. Well, what's going to happen hours. on Friday then? Do Good you question. share Mary's views of those two semi-finals? We had uh, the rumour mill whirling today uh, around Novak Djokovic. Apparently he didn't show up for his practice, but then he, he did show up. He was just late, Matt, I think. The circus continued, basically. <laughs> Yeah, well, Marco was certainly reporting this morning, that's the Spanish sports newspaper, that he hadn't shown up for his practice. But then the Serbian journalist, Sasha Osmo, is it, said that uh, he did practice and that there's general positivity in the in the Novak Djokovic camp about the neck issue. So, yeah, as you said, the kind of rumour mill swirling. Um, I do agree with Mary, of course, um, I think Nadal's quite a strong favourite against Schwartzman. Um, Schwartzman is is playing wonderful, wonderful tennis, and I think he could take a set for sure. But it is such a big ask for him, especially for someone who can't get that many free points or any free points on his serve to sustain the level he needs to beat Nadal. And we also saw the way nerves affected him in that semi final. I just think occasion and opponent will will be too much for Schwartzman tomorrow. I think he'll play very well and Nadal will, in my mind, probably win in four sets. Um, the other semi-final, I think, is very intriguing, not least because of these problems that Djokovic has been having and we just he's a bit of an unknown quantity. It feels to me like Tsitsipas can hurt him. And with his game, he can he can bring it to bear and cause Djokovic problems. And he's beaten Djokovic in the past, which is so important, I think. He hasn't built up too much baggage against him. And he, he will believe that he can beat Djokovic. And that's not half the battle, but it's it's such a big part of it. It's It's a big part of why I trust him more in that match than so many other players. I'm not necessarily predicting that because I think it's also possible that Djokovic will be fine and look crisp and sharp and be too much for him, rush him. But I think if Djokovic is slightly off, I think that's the semi-final that could bring the upset. How differently would you feel about it if you if the Pablo Corona Buster match hadn't happened, if we hadn't seen that sort of slightly strange performance and the injury and all of that, if if the Djokovic we were talking about coming into this semi-final was the one that we'd seen in the previous 
football matches, would you still give Sitsipas a, a decent chance? I would, yes, because of what I was saying about him having that belief. And I think that's always there with him. I think that's ingrained. Um, but the fact that there are more question marks over Djokovic kind of just tips the scale a little bit more in favour of Sitsipas. I'm, I'm not saying he's the favourite in that match. It just makes It just gives me a little bit more confidence in him look I still think Djokovic is the favorite these conditions suit him and that that little neck shoulder problem aside he's been he's been playing absolutely brilliantly so it's it's still a very very tough ask for Tsitsipas. David? Well I, I would go back to the first eight games of Tsitsipas Rublev as evidence that if Djokovic played well he can just stop him from expressing himself and just pin him on the baseline, half volleying balls back and eventually getting a shorter one and putting it away because that's what Rublev did to him for eight games. Now, I know that's, you know, things changed and ended up Sitsipas winning in straight sets, but Djokovic is a lot, lot better than Rublev and a similar kind of approach, but way, way better. Plus, he's got the drop shots and he's got a better serve and all those sort of things. But I do feel... A, Sitsavas is playing really, really well and is good enough to take advantage if anything happens. And there has to be the potential that something happens here in a, in a negative sense for Djokovic. It, it has a similar feel to that US Open when he pulled out against Favrinka after two and a bit sets when he there were all the rumours flying around and he was clearly in some discomfort the day before and that was the neck area and the shoulder area uh, and all that sort of thing. I don't know whether a trapped nerve or whatever that kind of thing is. That may have all worn off. That's certainly what the messaging coming out via Sasha Osmo is telling us. And if that is true, and Djokovic plays like he has in the other rounds, I think he'll win. I don't know what duration, but I think he would win. But there's a real question mark just because we don't know. We don't. What? Why did that happen yesterday? That's that's really really weird. There hadn't been a sign of anything wrong with him, and then he was in a lot of pain yesterday for 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 an hour. Um, was it stress? Was his body tensing up, and and the end goes into a spasm? We we just don't know because he didn't tell us anything. He didn't, and I, I mean that's his right his right not to say a word, but it does make you think. Well, okay then, you know things are different than they were two three days ago. Sviantek tomorrow will be playing the uh, women's doubles semi-final. That's right, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, aiming to become the first player. I believe Lucy Safarova reached both mm. finals. Uh, she won the doubles with Bethany Matic-Sands. Uh, that year, and are we talking about? Is this was that 2012? 2015, when she 2015. lost to Serena Sh in the final. Yeah. Uh, so won the doubles, lost the singles. Uh, so aiming to go on the first player since her to do that. It's actually not that long ago, is it? That's not that exciting a stat. Disappointing. Um, she and Nicole Melikar face. Oh dear, I'm facing my um, not knowing first names situation. Again, can anyone help me with Gracchi? No. A Gracchi uh, and D Kravchik. Well, good luck to them tomorrow in that women's doubles semi-final. 
the other one is Barbora Krejcikova and Katerina Siniakova taking on Timir Babosh and Kiki Mladenovic. Um, so yeah, that's that's Can a I... lot for today. Not a Diego Maradona anecdote in sight. What have you got, Matt? Make it good. Make it Diego Maradona related, if possible. <laughs> I was just going to say I was reminded when you said, oh, that's not that long ago, a funny Twitter interaction I had today. Someone asked me, when was the last time a Grand Slam final featured two players with K in their surname? Because that's what we're going to have with Sviontek and Kenin. And I said, oh, that one about a month ago, Osaka Azarenka. (laughs) Oh, was that off the top of your head? Well, I worked back. I thought, okay, what was the last <laughs> grandstand final? And it was at Sarkozarenka. But I thought it, I thought it played into the conversations we've had before with Simon about K being the Simon loves letter. a K chat. Yeah, it's very much the letter punching above its weight in tennis. Mm. Uh, I I have Garachi and Kravchik news. I went Krav Kravchik. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Alexa, Alexa Garachi, and Desiree. Oh, I'm, I'm glad we checked. I yeah. like those names. Uh, and it must I be can, tough being called Alexa in I the modern age. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, Garachi. So good, is good a, luck to her. I'm reading from the WTA uh, website article here. She's a former student athlete at the University of Alabama, is Garachi. And Kratchik is a college player from Arizona State. Um, there you go. So they were college players, and uh, now they're the and the fourteenth seeds, and they're playing against um, Sviantek and her partner Nicole. <laughs> Nicole 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 There um, Yeah, so that's happening tomorrow. There's also boys, girls, singles, and doubles. Uh, the men's and women's wheelchair competitions and the quad uh, wheelchair competitions. As well, uh, George Ann Wiley, Yui Kamiji playing tomorrow, Alfie Hewitt and Gordon Reed uh, in action as well. That's in the women's and men's wheelchair doubles. Just looking for other Brits. Apologies to people from uh, other countries. We've got Andy Lapthorne and Dylan Alcott uh, playing in the quad wheelchair men's doubles final. Uh, so that's uh, two Brits playing finals tomorrow. Alfie Hewitt, Gordon Reed going in the men's wheelchair doubles final. And Jordan Wiley, Yuikimiji, that is a wheelchair doubles semi final for them. So we'll keep you posted on all of that tomorrow. David, we want uh, whiskey, two whiskeys law back tomorrow, if possible, please. I've run out. <laughs> I was supposed to have two every two days. I had four yesterday, so I've run out. <laughs> right. Well,. Whiskey vendors are available. We'll uh, we'll sort it out. I'm related to one of them because we've got no we've got no Mary Carillo tomorrow, so we're going to have to spice this thing up somehow. Uh, Cam, we love you. Mary Carillo loves you. What more could you want? Uh, and we'll be back for another tennis podcast from the French Open tomorrow. See you then. 's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.